This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime at our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. It's good to have you guys joining us at Faith Living Church. And uh, I know we have quite a few new people who have joined us. And we welcome you here. We welcome all of our uh, regular members and attenders. And we thank you for joining us here. We really do. And we pray for you guys every day. Susan and I do in the morning, throughout the day, and in the evening. Those of you who we know by name, we pray for you by name and your, your families and your loved ones. And we pray for all of you guys who we know are there, but we don't know your name yet. So if you do fill out that connections card, we can pray for you more specifically and uh, your particular uh, situations. And don't forget, every Sunday at sunrise, uh, every Sunday at sunrise, Susan and I and James will be helping us do some camera work up on my mountain, and we'll be there at sunrise, you know, 5.50, and we'll be there to just, you know, pray for you, pray for your needs. You'll be able to text us what your needs are. We'll try to get everybody prayed for. If we don't, we still pray for everybody before we leave the mountain, and then again throughout the day. Hey, we love you guys, and we sure do miss, you know, we miss the handshakes and the hugs and all like that. But we are so thankful that God is on the move in our lives and he's helping us every step of the way. Now, if you'll remember what we were talking about last week, you know, we were talking about Semper Fi, you know, always faithful, always faithful. And what we did last week, I took a piece of string out and I cut it and I tied it around my finger so I wouldn't forget Semper Fi. That God is always faithful. He surely is to help each and every one of us, no matter what's going on in our lives. And let's not forget it, that God is always faithful. That old hymn that uh, James just sang has a new little twist to some of the chorus in there. But if you have a chance to look through those words one day, boy, it's so inspiring. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, and it's new every morning. And it just goes through, you know, uh, powerful illustration after illustration that's relevant to us about the faithfulness of Almighty God. I'd like to start off uh, today with 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. And it says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace. Remember what grace is? The most biblical definition I've ever come up with was God's enabling power. You know, we're saved by grace, by God's enabling power. You know, his grace is sufficient for us. His enabling power is sufficient for us. And on and on and on and on and on. And it says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace. Be strong through the grace, the grace, that enabling power. Be strong through that grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You want more of God's enabling power? You want more of God's grace? Well, then we must embrace more truth. Throughout the Bible, I see those words go together, kind of like Aunt Jemima pancakes and her syrup. You know, they go together, grace and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth. 
And one time I heard an old, old preacher many, 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 many years ago, probably close to uh, 44 years ago, heard an old preacher talking about grace. And he said, oh, how I wanted to get grace to come to my apartment, just me and grace alone. His plan was to take advantage of grace, you know, God's unmerited favor. That's why he understood it. And so Grace consented and said, I'll be there on such and such a day. And Grace knocked on his, you know, apartment door. And he came expecting Grace. And as he opened the door, he saw two people. And Grace said, well, we're here. I'm Grace and this is my husband, Truth. If you want more Grace, you must embrace more Truth. And the truth, it builds our faith, it sets us free. But grace and truth all go together. If you want more of God's enabling power, embrace more and more of his truth. That's so important for us to grasp. Verse 2 says, you have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many witnesses. Now teach these truths. He's talking about you and me. Pass these things on. Teach these things to other people, to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So you pass them on so they can be passed on, so they can be passed on the truths that we discover in God's Word. He goes on to say in verse 3, endure suffering. It's talking about discipline. How many of you like discipline? exercises discipline. The people who make it to the Olympics are men and women who discipline themselves. That's what a lot of the military is all about. The discipline. You know, Semper Fi. They're always faithful, but they're always training. And that discipline is so important. It says here in verse 3, enduring suffering, discipline and, and training, training and training and more training, enduring suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus as a good soldier, as a good warrior of Christ Jesus. Soldiers and, and warriors, it says in verse 4, they don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. They don't get, that word tied in other translations, it says, you know, these soldiers, these, these warriors, they don't get tangled up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted him. And that would be Jesus who has enlisted them. Soldiers don't get tied up. Warriors don't get tied up. Don't get tangled up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And then it goes on to say in verse four, 5, it says, And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And see, God's word is guidelines for us, you know, to, to, to lead us in the very best pathway for our lives. His word, his status, his, his promises, all these principles lead us and guide us. It teaches us. It trains us. It helps us become fully devoted followers of Christ. He goes on here, and, and uh, let me read once again. Verse 5, it says, And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. They can't win the prize unless they follow the rules. you got to follow the rules when you drive an automobile if you want to keep your license. Well, let's see what it says down here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Powerful passage. It says, physical training. 
You ever do that? You ever go to the gym? You ever jog? You do push-ups? You know, you bicycle? All these kinds of things that you can do. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better. Training, pumping iron is good. But he says, training for godliness is much better. And you understand what godliness is? That's talking about God-likeness. Like Christian means Christ-like. Godliness is really talking about this wholesomeness of living as best as we can like God. So he says here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits? This training in godliness is promising benefits. And, and how many of us like benefits, whether it's on a job or just the benefits that come from God? He says here, training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Here and when we get to heaven one day, when we train this discipline, this training for godliness, he's telling us right here, is much better than only physical training alone. Let me read that again out of the Amplified Bible. It says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness, spiritual training, and that's what he's talking about here, training for godliness. Godliness, spiritual training, is of value in everything. And what percentage is everything? 100%. He says, in godliness, the spiritual training is of value in everything and in every way. What percentage is every way? 100%. So if you're going to train, if you're going to, you know, really work out, let's make sure that we're training, you know, for godliness. And he goes on to say, since it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. That's in the Amplified Bible. And I'm going to read out one more translation. And this is found in the Message Bible. Listen to what it says. Each one of these has a little different nuance, a little bit more insight. And it says here in verse 8, exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful. But a disciplined life in God is far more so useful. Far more so Useful when we have disciplined, a disciplined life in God is far more useful than just working out at the gym. And he says it's far more useful making you fit both today and forever. And you can count on this. Take it to heart. See, we need to practice discipline you know, the disciplines of godliness, being more and more Christ-like, prayer, reading, studying, memorizing, meditating on the Bible. We're talking about solitude and, and fasting and witnessing and developing the fruit of the Spirit and, and really understanding and grasping hold and letting the gifts of the Spirit get a hold of us. Talking about generosity and humility and all of the things that we see in Christ. He's talking about this is spiritual 
working out, if you would. Spiritual training, if you would. And see if we'll be faithful in training, it will change things in our life. Let's remember, simplify. Man, simplify. You're talking about men and women who train and train and train and train. And they're constantly exercising physically, and they are rising up, and they're becoming amazing men and women. And imagine as we apply those same principles to exercising every day in God and in his word, what does that do for us? Verse 6 goes on to say, and hardworking farmers, you know any hardworking farmers? I know a couple. You know, during this time, a few weeks ago, I told Miracle, my daughter, I said, well, why don't we plant a garden this year? We'll do it together, and we'll share the, the responsibility and the produce and all like that of it. And she called me that night before it got dark and said, Dad, can we start today? I'm going like, I didn't really mean that day. But she said, yeah, let's do. And we spent numerous days when we just have it was in the evening after they was done with all their work, and I was ready to sit down and eat supper. And I said, we're coming over. And we worked, and we worked, and we worked. And that garden is immaculate. The fence is up. All the roots are pulled out from it. And we're ready to plant. Now, right here is some onions. I got these. I found a place where I could order some onions. And these are called red zeppelins. And they'll grow up there. And if you don't like them... Whew, they, they actually smell like onions. Here's some other ones. Oh, you'll probably like these. These are called onion candy. Woo-hoo-hoo. We can hardly put, wait to put these things in the ground. And you know what? I was able, with a little ado, to find some other seeds. And you know what I found out about seeds? Seeds are are faithful. Did you know that? You plant seeds in the ground, and every year when you put some seeds in the ground, they'll come up. They really do. Then we got squash here, and we got uh, spaghetti squash here, and we got watermelons. Is that amazing or what? You know, and cucumber. No, that's acorn squash and butternut squash and turnips. Boy, I'm sure all you kids can't wait to get the turnips to go in there. You know, habanero peppers and American purple top rutabagas. And, you know, this right here is beets. Oh, boy, I love beets. I really do. Sunflowers, giant sunflowers. And here are some more, a different version of red beets and sprouting seed mixes. Let me see what I got. Oh, I got some uh, tomato plants there. And I got some jalapeno peppers there. We got some peppermint, you know, to put it in your tea, things like that. And we got some kale. And we got some basil. Oh, boy, I love basil. Don't you? And we've got uh, large leaf basil. And we got Kentucky Wonder rust-resistant beans, pole beans. You can they'll climb way up, six, seven foot up on a pole there. And we got lettuce, and we got more peppers, and we got corn, and we got some uh, winter squash, and my and my garlic, and my potatoes hadn't come yet. 
But you know what this represents? That represents a lot of work. Somebody's going to have to set off rows, and they're going to have to plant them, and plant them a certain amount depth, and they're going to have to sow much distance and water them and watch after them and weed them and all. Now, Susan loves weeding, you know, and we are so thankful for that. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of work involved here. And it says in verse 6 here, it says, And hard-working farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. After giving our first part to Almighty God, then the farmer should enjoy the first meal, the first potato, the first tomato after they honor God with the first fruits, as the Bible says. And he goes on to say in verse 7, think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. You know what? You plant these watermelons, and watermelons are going to come up. You plant tomatoes, they're going to come up. God has put his faithfulness in seed. And you can look around us right now, and the grass is turning green, and all the flowers are growing, and everything is just coming alive. Great is God's faithfulness. He set that into motion. There'll be seed time and there'll be harvest. And it always does that because God set it into motion. Oh, semper fi. God is always faithful. And I'm going to remember that as best as I can. He goes on to say here in verse 8, Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of David, was raised from the dead. What's the first word in that verse? You see it there. Always. What percentage is always? 100%. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most important things that we need to get a hold of and let it get a hold of us. And you and I can access that resurrection power in our lives absolutely right now. And he said that. Always remember that Jesus Christ, the descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. Always remember when you're thinking about Jesus, he was raised from the dead because he, he died. He gave his life for you and me to wash all of our sins away. And he rose from the dead to to come into our lives and empower us and lead us and guide us and take us to heaven with him one day. This is the good news I preach. Listen to what it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10. And you may have had a situation where you're like, well, how do I actually get to heaven? And this right here tells you how to get to heaven. It says in Romans 10, 9, that if you, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus if you confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. And what you believe in your heart is that God raised Jesus from the dead after he gave his life to pay for my sins. God raised him from the dead. If you believe it and you say it with your mouth, you'll be saved. That's the bottom line Real simple, isn't it? Not complicated at all. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in you, Jesus, and you believe that God, the Father, raised him from the dead, you'll be, I believe 
Father, that you raised Jesus from the dead, and I invite him into my life. Boom, your sins are washed away. You are forgiven. You're accessing that resurrection power that brings about transformation in you. And then you have greater access to all the blessings and all the promises that he has given unto his children. That's for sure. Let me pick back up over here. In verse 9, we're reading first. No, we was reading uh, your second Timothy chapter 2, picking up over here in verse 9, and it says, And because I preach this good news, I am suffering. I mean, there's persecution. People don't like me talking about this good news about Jesus rising from the dead. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained uh, like a criminal. This is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. But the word of God cannot be changed. It's alive and it's powerful and you can't stop it. It's full of living power, the Bible says. He says, but the word of God cannot be chained. You can chain us up, as the Apostle Paul was put in prison. But he kept leading all of the jailers, the men who had come down to feed him. He kept leading them to Christ. He kept leading the other prisoners to Christ. Always, constantly, you could not chain the word of God because it changes things. That's just the truth of it. But the word of God cannot be chained. Verse 10 says, so I'm willing to endure anything. And, and what does anything represent percentage-wise? 100%. I'm, will, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to endure anything, every, 100%, whatever God wants me to do, I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. And here's the time for all of our loved ones to hear us use great wisdom and, and share God's love with them because that's the only way to get to heaven. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father in heaven except through me. It's so important that we grasp that truth and we, we share that with other people. So I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory to Christ Jesus to those that God has chosen. Verse 11 says, this is a trustworthy saying. If we die, we die with him. If we take up the cross, that means to die. We deny ourselves and we'll follow him, you see. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, well, he'll deny us. If we're unfaithful, what's it say? He remains faithful. God will be faithful always faithful forever and ever and ever. If he said something in his word, it's 100% true for the men and women who choose to believe him. And they'll access that resurrection power and it will take place in their own life. And it says, if we are unfaithful, simplify. He remains faithful, always faithful, for he cannot, and let me emphasize, he will not deny who he is. So what do we do if we have been unfaithful in the past? What do we do? We, we've sinned against God and we've sinned against our family, our loved ones, our neighbors. Or what, what do we do? Let me just read it to you. This is so important to stay clean and to stay connected to that resurrection power. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, here's again, if we confess our sins to who? To him, not to anybody, but to him. He says, if we confess, if we do this, he'll do something. If we don't do it, he won't do it. If we confess our sins to him, say, Father God, 
I, I did something that I, I shouldn't have done, and I'm really sorry for it. Would you forgive me? He says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful, semper fi, always faithful and just. And see, there's no injustice in God like we see in just human beings, you know. God is impartial. His son Jesus paid for all of our sins. So if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful to do what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All. What percentage is all? 100%. To cleanse us from all wickedness, you know. So we'll not reap the consequences of all the bad seed. I've only got good seed here. I don't have briars and thistles and, and things like that. But you know what? If you plant bad seed, you'll, you'll reap bad crop. But you confess your sins to God, and, and, and that's just like receiving a crop failure. All them bad seeds that you sown, they're not going to have to come up because you've asked God to forgive you. And then you can access all of that great, fantastic faithfulness. He's always faithful to everything he's promised you. It's available to us all. Listen to what it says here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. It says, don't love money. It, it means use it, but don't love it. It's okay to use money, just don't love it. He says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will Never. What percentage is never? 100%. You're right. I will never fail you. Oh, oh, oh. oh man, I, I, I love this. I will never fail you. I mean, that's simple. Five. God is always faithful. He will never, ever fail you. And he goes on to say, I will never. What percentage is never again? 100%. I will never abandon you. Semper Fi. God is always faithful. He'll never fail you. And he says, and I will never abandon you. See, God has an investment that he has placed in you and me that's so great. He's not going to give that up. He would not ever possibly consider abandoning you or failing you. That's what he says. He says, I will never fail you. Hebrews 13, 5. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. We need to believe what God says. We need to confess it with our mouth and pray. Father, you said in your word you would never fail us. You said in your word you would never abandon us. We need to speak the truth. Speak life. The Bible says life and death is in the power of our tongue. Let us speak words of life over ourselves, over our family, over our city, over our world. Let's speak words of life. Now I was reading about a little girl with polio. And she would ask, always, she would ask her mother if she could wear her locket when her mother would take her and drop her off at Sunday school. Her mother thought, oh, my daughter really loves my locket but that wasn't it at all. The little girl thought that she wasn't worth coming back for. She actually, she had polio, you know, and she just thought she wasn't worth coming back for. But she knew her mother would come back for her locket. So she would always ask for the locket because she wanted to make sure that mama would come back and get her locket and then she'd take her back home with her. Well, it's heartbreaking to think about that. 
The old girl didn't realize how valuable she was. She didn't realize that Jesus, the Son of God, had come to this earth to rescue her. How valuable is that little girl to Jesus? He gave his life for her. But she didn't feel like she was of any value at all. So let's not listen to the devil's lies when he says, you ain't valuable. What you done, you're not valuable. Who you are, see your situation, you have no value. Don't believe that lie from the pits of hell. You need to believe what Almighty God says, how much he loves you. Jesus went to the cross to pay for your sins. He took all the beatings upon his body that you might be healed. You are extremely valuable for God's son to go to the cross, give his life for you. Oh, he considers you extremely valuable, and he loves you tremendously. Listen to what it says here in Romans 5, verse 8. But God showed. This means he demonstrated. God showed, he demonstrated his great love for us. And that's talking about you. God demonstrated, he showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We were sick with sin. And Jesus went to the cross, not because we got our act together, not because we got it all fixed up and, and straightened out and we were doing all the right thing. Jesus went to the cross while we were still sinful because he valued us. He loved us. He's crazy about us to this day. and He'll forgive you. And it's a game changer. It's a life changer. When you know whatever you've done, it's been forgiven. You've asked him to, and you've received that resurrection power of forgiveness, and he changes things. You know what it says in John chapter 3, verse 16? Probably if you know any verse, you know that one. And it just simply tells us, for God so loved the world. That's you and me. We're, we're part of the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus, that whosoever, what percentage is whosoever? 100%, anybody, everybody, whosoever believeth in him. I believe in him. When I was a teenager, I began to believe in him. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, man, whosoever believeth in him, God values us so much that he sent his son Jesus, and Jesus so willingly went and paid the price for you and for me. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, picking up now here at verse 6, it says, so we can say with confidence, we can say with great assurance. I'm talking about semper five. God is 100% this way. He don't change. He is consistent. And it says, so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. Can we say that out loud together? Wherever you might be, the Lord is my helper. I, I didn't hear you quite, so I want to hear you now. Let's do it one more time. The Lord is my helper. Listen to what it says in the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 46, verse 1. It says, always ready to help in times of trouble. Some almighty God. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. Ever been in trouble? He's always, semper fi, always faithful, ready to help in times of trouble. Listen what that same verse uh, Psalms 46 verse 1 says in the King James, that was in the New Living, the King James says, talking about God, a very present help in trouble. 
He's very present. Before you can even ask for his help, you're going like, oh, you're here. He is a very present help in trouble. Semper Fi, he is always faithful. He loves you. He's crazy about you. And just because some viruses, you know, infiltrated our land don't mean that God stopped loving for you. He's crazy about you. He loves you, protects you. He'll heal you and your loved ones. Just get a hold of God. And the worst thing could ever happen is me to pass on. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to open my eyes, and there's going to be streets of gold, and Jesus is going to be there to hug me and love me. And my grandmom and my granddad and my dad and so many of my loved ones are going to be there and say, Hey, Pastor Ron, come over here and let me show you these streets of gold. I'm going to tell you, God has made preparation for everything. He genuinely has. He loves us. He's crazy about us. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever. He is faithful. That's what he's talking about here. He don't change. Jesus is the same yesterday. He's the same today and he'll be same forever. Simplify always faithful. He don't change. He don't look at me and say, well, I don't value as much as I value some other people. He does. He's crazy about each and every one of us and he'll forgive no matter what it is that you've done. He'll forgive you. He'll give you a brand new start because he loves you. He's just so crazy about you. Let me read verse 9. It says, so don't be attracted by strange new ideas. There's all these new age uh, teachings and philosophies try to get us away from the Bible, get us away from God's way. Well, this is a new thing, a new way to please God. This is a new way to get to heaven one day and, and all this, that, and other. Let me tell you, you stick with what God's word says. And he's telling us that right here, verse 9. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace. And remember what grace is? God's enabling power. And his grace is available to you and me. And we just got to embrace it. And the more we embrace more truth, we'll embrace more of his enabling power. That's just the truth of it. So it says your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. And there's been all kinds of rules. You got to eat this. If you want to be right with God, you can't eat this on this day or this on that day and all. God has given us food. And when we ask his blessing over it, he sanctifies it, purifies it so we can eat it. There's some people who live on little, uh, you know, uh, islands out at sea and there's only a couple things there they can eat. And God has purified it so they can eat it whenever they need to, to survive. When descending the Grand Canyon, a lot of people have gone to the bottom of the canyon on these little mules, these little burr-looking things. And when descending the Grand Canyon on these little mules, on a narrow ledge, there's only enough room for a mule to get a foothold. And these ribbons of rock that run along the edges of these towering cliffs overlook vertical sheer drops that descend hundreds of feet to the valley below. And the safest course is to let the mule find his own way. You can't tell a mule, you can't get down there and show him. It's not wide enough to do that. He knows the trail better than we do. And many who have had faith in that mule to get them down to the bottom of the canyon and get them back up again, do we have such faith in Almighty God that he'll lead us and guide us in the best pathway for our life? He is always faithful and he always promises he'll lead us and guide us. 
That's what he promises us to do. And he'll lead us and guide us in the best pathway for our lives. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. It says, for we live by believing. Let, let, let's, let's believe. He says here, we live by believing and not by seeing. In the King James Bible, it says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. What we can see, it changes. But God don't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We, we live by faith. Faith in him. You know, I'm talking about semper fi, always faithful to us and his love for us. We live by having faith in him. Has he ever helped you through a predicament? Has he ever been there for you in times of difficulty and trouble? Well, thank him for it. And don't ever forget it. Don't take it for granted. He loves you. He's crazy about you. That's just the truth of it, you know. Now, I was reading about this Sunday school superintendent who asked his students, he says, who can tell me what a yoke is? You think about it, you probably know what that yoke is. And uh, something that they put on the neck of animals, answered a 10-year-old little girl. That's right. And then he asked, and what's God's yoke? And there was silence until a four-year-old raised his hand and said, God putting his arms around your neck. All he knew was this other girl said a yoke was something goes around your neck, and this little fellow figured it out. It's, it's God wrapping his arms around your neck, giving you a big old hug. And, and I like that. I think that's pretty acceptable when we get yoked up to Jesus. We're walking side by side with him because he's crazy about us. He loves us. And you think about it when a shepherd, you know, in the Bible, you read about these shepherds and all, uh, they would always go ahead of the sheep. They didn't drive them like you'd drive cows. They would lead the sheep from the, the front, you know. And he'd go down, the shepherd would go down in, in the front, and the sheep would follow. And anything that attacked the sheep flock had to get past that shepherd first. And you don't know how many times I've told my wife and my kids when we've been hiking in the woods, I tell them, if lions and tigers and bears, oh my, if something comes after us, you stay behind me. Because I'm going to probably do that rascal in. But if I don't, time he gets through eating me, he'll be stuffed and he won't want them, you know. So I'm going to take care of him. But a shepherd, he's down in the front protecting his sheep. And I'm telling you, Jesus is your shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. He's going to help us to get the rest we need and the things we need to eat and the still water that we need because he loves us so much. And he's down in front of us. And he's always there. He's always faithful. That's just his promise to us, you know. So you think about this for a moment. Hmm. He's down in the front. God is always present with us, but he's also always in our tomorrows. He just waits for us there, but he's here also. But he'll never abandon you. The Bible says he won't. He says he'll never fail you. John chapter 10, verse 11, it says, I, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Semper Fi, always faithful, laid down his life for all of his sheep. That's me and that's you. That's every one of us. He gave his life for his sheep. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says, He will keep you strong to the end. One day we're going to see him face to face. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Let me tell you. There was a battle 
you know, quite a few years ago, there's a fellow by the name of Douglas MacArthur. He was in this battle, and he was being overwhelmed by the enemy, and he got in this little boat that was to take him away before they would destroy him. And as he stood in that little boat in the Philippines there, he said, I shall return. Two and a half years later, he came back. And he said, I said I would return, and I am here. And let me tell you something. Jesus said, I'm going to return. And I tell you what, he promised. And one day he's going to return and take us all home with him. But we're going to stay here and we're going to do the work that he's given us to do until that day comes. But he loves us. He ain't forgot about us. That's absolutely, positively for sure. And it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, God will do this. It says, you know, he'll free us from all blame on the day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Verse 9, God will do this. Simplify is always faithful. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. I tell you, can't get it out book enough. There's treasures and there are promises that will change your life, change your health, change your finances, change your family, change everything about you for the better. And he says here, God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you into partnership with his son Jesus Christ our Lord. He has invited you and me into relationship, into partnership. And all it takes is when we enter this partnership is that we confess our sins. And then we say, I acknowledge you, Jesus Christ. I believe that you exist. And I believe that you paid for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. And we enter into partnership right then. Don't have to be in a church. I wasn't in the church when I got saved. I was out on my own walking around on another mountain when I was a teenager just crying out to God. I was so empty and hollow inside. And you know, he came into my life. He showed himself to me in dynamic ways I'd never dreamed were possible before. Psalms 89, verse 1, it says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth, our mouth is pretty important. We got to confess this and speak that and, and pray this. He says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness. To who? To all generations. Now, what percentage is all there? 100%. He says here, I will make known your faithfulness. Semper Fi. I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. From the day I get started until the day I check out of here and go on on them streets of gold. But I got a, I got a secret up my sleeve. Even once I'm with Jesus, we got tapes and CDs you know, and, and DVDs, and I can still preach on those things once I'm in heaven. Ain't that amazing? I think it's fantastic. Kind of almost like cheating a little bit, but it's okay. Then he says here, verse we've read several times, but it's in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. It says, though the Lord's mercy, says, his great compassion, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. We're not consumed because he loves us so much. That's what he's telling us here. Because his compassions fail not, they never end. Verse 23, they are new every morning. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know that verse. In Psalms there, 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. When you wake up in the morning, you'll see them guys standing there. What you been doing? We've been watching after you. The Bible says goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Whenever you start going to work, whenever you start going here, you're going there. It's like, I feel like I'm being followed. You are. Goodness and mercy is following you all the days of your life. And oh boy, it's going to be fantastic to dwell in the presence of Almighty God forever. He goes on to say in verse 23, they are new every morning. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Oh man, that is fantastic. You know, I was reading up about this battle and it was the battle of Waterloo. And uh, it was very interesting, you know. I don't know if you remember the news that when this battle of Waterloo, it reached the, the uh, England with what the outtake, you know, was or what the results of this battle were. And it was carried, the news of this battle, it was first carried by a sailing ship. And they didn't have the radios and technology we have today. And they used these flags. So it was carried by this sailing ship to the southern coast. And from there, from the southern coast, it was relayed by a signal flag to London. People way up there were watching for the signal flags and all. And when the report was received at Winchester, the flags on the cathedral begin to spell it out. You know, they were sending the message. It's spelling out the words there. Wellington, defeated. And before the message could be completed, a heavy fog moved in. Gloom filled the hearts of the people as the incomplete message spread throughout the surrounding countryside. But then the mist began to lift, and it became evident that the signals of Winchester Cathedral had really spelled out a triumphant message. It didn't stop when it said Wellington defeated. It said Wellington defeated the enemy. Completely different than what they thought it was. And how many times people have thought, well, Jesus died on the cross. And they got pictures everywhere of Jesus hanging on a cross. He only hung on a cross for a very short period of time and he stayed in a tomb for a very short period of time but he has risen from the dead and he is alive forevermore. He says he did. And, and, and there's documentation of him being seen and, and people's lives being changed. Even my life was changed because of that. So you got to make sure we hear the rest of the message, you know. Wellington defeated the enemy. And you can say Jesus defeated the devil and he rose from the dead. Jesus defeated death and he came back alive and he is alive for you and he changes our lives and he forgives our sins and writes our name in the book of life. It's a game changer is what I'm talking about. Listen to what it says in Psalms 40 verse 5. Oh Lord my God, you have performed many wonders for us. And if you haven't seen them yet, you just hold on to your horses because it's coming. It says, oh Lord my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. Oh. Remember Sarah, Abraham's wife in the Old Testament? It tells us about it in the New Testament. 
In Hebrews 11, 11, it says, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive a seed. This woman was 90 years old. She received the strength to conceive seed, a child. And she bore a child when she was past age, 90 years old. And Abraham was 100. And it says she received strength and she bore a child when she was past age because, would you say because with me? Because, because she judged him faithful. Semper Fi, God is always faithful. She judged him faithful who had promised. And she had a baby and they named him Isaac. Fantastic. It was miraculous. And the seed, it passed on down and it changed the outcome of this planet. It genuinely did. Do you judge God faithful? That word judge can be easily just translated into belief. Do you believe God is faithful? Always faithful to do what he said he would do? Well, let's you and me get into his word and let's read his word and let's look at it and let's begin to do some spiritual exercises because it will change everything in your life for the better. Godliness is profitable to the whole man. Physical exercise is okay, but, you know, spiritual exercise affects everything about you. It is a game changer for sure. Here's a verse that's just absolutely awesome. It's true. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And this is talking about you. When you study God's word, you find out it might have been talking about a certain group of people, as so much of it was. But he tells us in his word, we're to apply all these principles to ourselves. And listen what he says. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. God says, I know what I plan for you. Don't listen to that devil. Don't listen to those doubters and those you know, people who are fear and, and, and will try to get you off in, in the deep weeds somewhere. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for what? For good and not for disaster. God says, I know the plans I have for you. You know, you don't have to tell me. So. I know what my plans for you are. And he says, there are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And that's what the word hope means. A confident expectation for the future. So don't you look at your future and go, oh, gloom, despair, and agony on me. This is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. God says his plans for your good and not evil to give you a future, to give you a hope. That's what he promises us in his word. And until then, it says in Philippians 4.19, but my God, the apostle said that, my God shall supply half of your need. Oh, wait, well, that's not what it said. What did it say? Oh, oh what percentage is off? 100%. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. <clears throat> and up there, the streets are made out of solid gold. My God shall supply all of your need, 100% of them, according to his riches in glory. You might have $1,000 in the bank, and you might get help me out up to 1000 bucks, and then you're, you're wiped out. God will never be wiped out because he made the gold that's in them streets. And he could make the whole planet gold if he wanted to. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. How? By having a relationship with Christ Jesus. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Because that's when you can pray. You go to the Father 
in the name of Jesus. Say, Father, I'm here in the name of your son, Jesus. He paid for all my sins and told me I could ask anything I wanted. That's all in the Bible. And then he said he's going to meet your needs according to his riches and glory. And he has no limitations. One small little verse I'm going to stop with. Second Thessalonians 3.3, 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. He's faithful. Simplify. That's why I got that string on my finger. Simplify. Always faithful. God is always faithful. Always faithful. It reminds me I need to do some spiritual exercising when I get up in the morning. Susan and I do. We, 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 we do spiritual exercises. We get up and we pray for you guys. We, we read the Word. We meditate upon the Word. We study the Word so we have something to share with you. And it feeds our souls as well. We meditate upon it. We memorize it. We apply it. And I'm going to tell you, it affects us now on this earth, but it will affect us also when we get to heaven one day. And oh, what a joy that's going to be. The grand family reunion we're going to have one day. But while we're here, let's live our life for him. Simplify. Always faithful. That's talking about God. Would you pray with me right now? And if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you reaffirm your faith in him? Oh, what a privilege it is to do that. But if you're not sure you're right with God, would you pray from the depths of your heart? And Jesus is going to come into your life right now. He's going to forgive all your sins. He's going to write your name in the book of life. You will never do enough of good works. Jesus did all the work that needed to be done to wash your sins away. And he said, it is finished. It's a done deal. We just got to believe it and receive it. Would you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. And I believe you've got a plan for my life. And I receive your plan. I believe you sent Jesus. And he gave his life blood. And he died in my place. And just as you promised, three days later, he rose from the dead. And I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I receive Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my soon coming King. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hold on a second before you go. Papa, for God, I just ask a blessing for my brothers. Wherever they might be, sitting in their homes, their cars, their trucks. I ask your blessing upon them. I ask your blessing upon the women, wherever they might be. Bless them and encourage them. I ask that you'll heal those who need healing. Provide for those who need provisions. Almighty God, give a miracle to those who need a miracle. Lord, you said in your word of two of us would agree upon this earth. Concern anything we ask it to be done. And I know my wife Susan is in agreement with me. And I know the guys up in the sound booth are in agreement with me. And I believe the people who are in need are in agreement with me now that their needs would be met according to your riches and glory. That they've already been paid for by the shed blood of Jesus. Meet the needs of my brothers and sisters. Meet the needs of the boys and the girls. You know what's going on in their lives. You know what they need right now. And we join our faith together and we ask you for a miracle 
In the name of your son, Jesus, thank you, almighty God, for who you are, simplify, always faithful. We can count on you. You are dependable. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Don't forget, we're always here Saturday night, 6 o'clock, Sunday morning, 9, and at 11. We're always up on the mountain early on Sunday morning. All you got to look is find out what time the sun rises, and we get there about five minutes before the sun rises. And it changes from week to week about, about five or six, seven minutes. It changes every day by like two minutes or something like that. But we'll be up here every Sunday morning to pray for you and with you, and we'll see God just work miracles in people's lives. That's the truth. Don't forget Miracle, that's our daughter's name. She teaches all the kids in Super Church. She does a lesson on uh, Wednesday night at 5 o'clock for all the kiddos. Listen, I just challenge you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let's begin to do some spiritual exercising together and let the muscles begin to develop those muscles of faith. God bless you.